There you go. Yes, thank you for talking. <laughs> Hello, everyone. This is Father Michael Tischel. And this is Strati Papa Georgiou. And we are an, an imperfect podcast. podcast. I was trying to say it perfectly. Perfect. Cue music. Good to see you, man. Good to see you, too. <laughs> or as my uh, wife's uncles would say, who are all dairy farmers in rural Virginia, it's good to be seen. Mm. Good to be seen. <laughs> That's like their that. response. Yeah, it's like, good to see yeah. you. It's good to be seen. I've heard that before. Yeah. It's um, nice. It's nice. It's, uh, it's, I had a thought. Yes. Had, and and it's, it's gone. It's gone. What, what do you think it's that gone. is? What, what happens when you have a thought and then it just disappears like that? It's well, like, they say it's not because it wasn't important. Mm. But I don't think that's true. I forget plenty of important things. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not give ourselves that much credit. It's like, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, I find that, it, yeah, the moment that I stop thinking about it and trying, then it just kind of reemerges. Yeah. Which is interesting. So today, what are, what are we doing exactly? Yeah, so we are going to um, dive in a little bit to the book about St. Porphyrius, Elder Porphyrius, mm -hmm. recently canonized, uh, that's known in the English language as Wounded by Love, and in the Greek language as Vios Kelogi. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so it's basically just his life and teachings. Um, mm -hmm. And the both the life and teaching sections are essentially um, spontaneous or kind of like uh, impromptu reflections that he gave. Uh, to some people that were then recorded and transcribed and then turned into a book. Um, so it's not like any sort of like academic, you know, yeah. uh, bi biography or anything like that, but it gives, it really gives you a feel, even in the biographical section or autobiographical section, gives you a feel for who he was. So our thought was just to kind of like dive into that, um, to actually read a short section of the beginning of the biography uh, and then to talk about it. And um, I mean, I, I will just say, Personally, and we've talked about this a lot before, but uh, St. Porfirios is really like a, a, central, um, a central beloved saint for me. Um, I feel like there was a point in college, especially when I um, read Wounded by Love for the first time and uh, just kind of, yeah, fell in love with um, St. Porfirios's approach to the Christian life. Uh, very like very um, hopeful, very uh, mm -hmm. encouraging, um, kind of focused on light and focusing on the light of Christ, mm -hmm. uh, on love and uh, simplicity. I feel, simplicity, exactly. You know, and, and I really feel as though he uh, offers a path. It's not unique. It's, it is the Orthodox path, but he offers it in such a way uh, to a modern audience that really gives us a sense of hope, you know, in a very, in a very despondent, you know, and, and despairing world uh, for many different reasons. And so for that reason, and, and for other reasons, we, we figured maybe we could just dive in because, you know, we need, we need some light in our lives, we need some hope and simplicity. Uh, and uh, hopefully we can use this as a, uh, 
a way to kind of set the tone for our, our conversation for this for this mm. wonderful imperfect podcast. <laughs> I think it's a great idea. Uh, Saint Porfirios and he's he's close he's close to my heart too because uh, my parents met him. Yes. And uh, we have that video for anybody who wants to see Father Panayotix talk about uh, his encounter with him, which, you know, I don't know, changed the, you know, changed the course of, you know, how they thought or perhaps, or at the very least revealed some things to them that only they could have known. And yeah, and then probably changed changed my mom's uh, course that sure of, 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 of in the way of thinking and, and love her life. So he, yeah, no, he was a, he was really, he was amazing. He was a little less known than father uh, Baisios, but he was, he was, he was extraordinary. His simplicity was, was just so genuine. You know, he, <laughs> He, he, when he spoke to people, he could just, he could cut right through any pretension, any, well, besides the fact that uh, the revelations he would receive from God, he just, he just had this way of moving right through any obstacle hmm. that would hinder a normal person like you and me. Interesting. You know? Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't afraid to tell people exactly how it was, for instance, sure. this woman this woman came with her daughter and was upset because her other daughter ran away from home or something. Yeah. And, and well, and well, God revealed to him some things and he just told her exactly how it was. He told her it's your fault. And <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, there was no anger, malice, anything like that. Frustration with him. He just, just told this woman, look, you did this. It's your fault. Right which it's hard for us to do that without, you know, having some sort of emotional, right. Uh, you know, reaction. Right. And then also eliciting the same reaction in the person that we're talking right. to and right. thereby doing more harm than, than good. Right. And, right. And, but right. So, right. But somehow, right. somehow he was able to do it in a way that actually healed, healed right. her. And, and uh, right. yeah, that's, that was, that's incredible. There's a great, story but i won't well i just brought it up yeah get, there's, get, there's a let's, great let's, little story, let's story let just, yeah. yeah let's let me just set the you know paint the picture right exactly here. we're talking about father porfirios is this tiny 90 something year old cancer patient right who has cancer of i think it's in his frontal like frontal head okay frontal yeah. cortex it was in the front anyway okay. Yep. And it affected, it affected his sight. It pushed against his optic nerve, mm -hmm. so he couldn't really see. Well, he could, as people would discover, right. but not quite the way they would think he could see. Yeah. So one story, and there's, there's an un, unmentionable amount. Like you could right. not, you know, you'll never find the end of the rabbit hole of the, 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 the stories, but there's one. So he was very well known to be very handy with the telephone mm -hmm. he knew how to use those <laughs> uh <laughs> imagine if he had a cell phone he <laughs> he would call people anyway so let me just let me get to the so one day this couple came to him and told him that their son is 
and uh, I and you know citation needed. I don't remember exactly how it goes. Yeah. But but this is the gist. Yeah. His this 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 couple came to him and told him that their son she is with this girl and they don't like her. Mm-hmm. Now, I know somebody might thinking, well, okay, classic parents don't like her. No, mm-hmm. but they had a good reason. And and uh, they were they were trying to urge him to go and talk to him. And I think he spoke to him one time, but, you know, a few minutes and that was it. Yep. So one so one day they came to him and they told him, "Father, he's going on a trip with her." Uh they're going on some trip somewhere. So he, so, so, so they check into the hotel and all of a sudden the phone, they're in the room and the phone rings and, uh, and the front desk wants them. <laughs> so he, he goes downstairs mm-hmm. to the front desk and it's Father Porfirios. Like in the flesh or on the phone? On the phone. Okay. Uh-huh. Of course on the phone. Because <laughs> right, he was old. He was calling old. everybody. Right. Yeah. On the phone. And he's like, one minute. Just give me a moment. And all of a sudden, he connects the, the room that they were in, the phone there. He connects it to the speaker that he's listening to in the, in the, in the, uh, in the, the lobby. And he hears her talking to another man. Mm. Wow. And he just, he wasn't of the world, even though he lived in the world. Right. And he, and he perfectly sort of uh, embodied that concept in the world, not of the world. Yeah. 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 That's, that's fascinating. He was able to deal with the things of the world without, with, by, and remaining not of the world. Sure. He used a, he used the telephone, which is of the world in ways that sure. are not of the world. <laughs> right. It's, it's a very interesting kind of integration of, of those two aspects. Right. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes him that much more, I think, sort of attractive for a, a modern audience because it kind of gives us the sense that he he was otherworldly but not to the extent that he wasn't able to sympathize with our our current uh oh yeah he talks a lot about that you know he talks about the 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 troubles that one of the troubles but you know the things he hears in 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 confession and they're very you know modern things more modern and things like that so yep yep he was definitely in touch with that in completely in touch with it yep Good. Well, that's, I think that whets our appetite for uh, what we're about to read. And again, this is the kind of beginning of his autobiographical notes uh, at the very beginning of Wounded by Love, uh, where he basically just starts from the beginning of his life and kind of reflects a little bit about some of the experiences in a very scattered and not systematic sure. way, but in, in a way that kind of gives you, I think, a feel for his personality yeah. and for his simplicity. Uh, so shall we dive in? Yep. All right. And I do have the Greek text alongside in case we ever want to reference that just to kind of see what cross-reference a word or something like that. So we can always do that. But I will obviously uh, read from the English text. The path to the holy mountain. My dream was to imitate St. John the hut dweller. I'm from the village of Agios Ioannis. There's a village in Evia called Agios Ioannis. That's where I'm from. 
My parents were poor, and so my father left the village and went to America. He worked there as a laborer on the Panama Canal. In the village, we children did chores from the earliest age. We would water the garden and the trees. We would bring in the animals. We would do whatever job the grown-ups told us to do. When I was little, I used to mind the flocks up on the mountain. I was slow-witted and shy. I went to school for one year, and we learned virtually nothing because the teacher was ill. While I was looking after the sheep, I read the life of St. John the hut dweller, syllable by syllable. That's where my zeal to go and become a monk came from. Even though I knew nothing, I hadn't even seen a monk or a monastery. Nothing. When I was seven, my mother sent me to Halkida to work in a shop. It sold everything. Shops at that time used to have ironmongery, keys, screws, locks, and ropes, and so on. But they'd also have sugar and rice and coffee and pepper and everything you'd find in a grocer's. It was a big shop. There were two boys, two other boys there. I went and joined them. I did whatever they told me to. Everyone bossed me about, and I was never off, my feet running to and fro. Before I arrived, the two other boys had worked out a system whereby they would go up to the balcony day and day, about to water the basil plants belonging to the boss's wife. They had a rotation. When I arrived, they gave me to do everything. They got me to do everything, to sweep the floor and water the flowers. It didn't cross my mind that it was unfair. I did everything. Wherever they told me to go, I went. One day, just as I was finishing sweeping the shop, I noticed that some coffee beans had spilled on the floor next to where I had gathered my pile of rubbish. There would have been about 15 beans in all. I bent down and picked them up and walked over to the sack with the coffee beans. My boss was in his office. It had windows all around, and he sat, saw me bending down and then walking over to the sack. He called out, Angelos, meaning me. That's what they used to call me when I was young. Come over here. I went over. What have you got in your hand? What's that? They're coffee beans. I found them over there, and I picked them up, I said. He started to shout, Tasos, Aristos, Yanis, Yorgos. One was in the storeroom, and the others in various parts of the shop. The boss kept shouting. They all gathered in the office. The boss opened my hand. Do you see that? What's that? He asked. Coffee beans, they answered. Where did you find the mangelos? They were littered on the floor and I picked them up and was about to throw them into the coffee sack, I replied. Well, my boss started to give us a lecture. What went on in that shop was nobody's business. Such wastage. Scoops would be tossed right, left, and center. Listen now, he said. As from today, you're going to organize a rotation for the jobs in here. One week it will be Aristos, one week Tassos, one week Angelos, for the flowers and for everything. My boss's family was very fond of me. They would invite me up to their house and would get me to sing to them whatever hymns I knew. They looked on me with real affection. My action in picking up the beans had made an impression on them because they didn't know me. After two years, I went to Pireos to work in a grocer's shop owned by a relative. The grocer's shop was also a taverna. There was a little attic there where I slept at night. The shop was on a hill in Samados Street. People would come by every day to do their shopping, and many of the customers would sit down to have a drink or a snack since it doubled as a taverna. All right, so that's uh, sort of this the first subsection. Hmm. And I wonder, even just from that, if there's something that we want to uh, well, settle on. Yeah, I mean, just off the bat, I just, every time I hear this, or every time I read this, I, uh, I'm just in awe of how simple, how simple 
there's a village called Agus Ioannis. That's where I was born. Right. Okay, let's yep. move on. <laughs> you know? I know. Right. Right. Yeah. This is my father's name. This is my mother's name. Okay. He went to Panama, you know, very, I like it. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, you know, it's, uh, there's a, hmm, what's, that's the way to put this. You know, I mean, he himself admits that he didn't receive much of an education from an yeah. academic standpoint. Yeah. Um, but there are different ways of approaching the world and different ways of approaching our knowledge of the world. One of them is in that kind of abstracted academic sense where you learn about certain things and you kind of learn different concepts and constructs and, and different things that kind of complexify yeah. your knowledge of the world. Um, but then there is the kind of knowledge that's this kind of more immediate, intuitive yeah. kind of knowledge of just things and stuff. And, you know, um, yeah, you know, they don't, well, I'm just saying, I mean, they, they don't, they, you know, I wouldn't say that one is, is bad or anything by any means, but, you know, there is something about him not having gone down that road, that road originally of, of academic knowledge, which yeah. kept him in that very authentic kind of immediate encounter with the world around him. Um, and, and that kind of grounded him, I think, in a certain sense, and then allowed him to develop in a yeah. different direction uh, than he would have if he had gone down the road of secular knowledge or academic learning or something. There was no, there was no theory. It was Yeah, you know, all very was, like, right. very practical, I guess you could say, but, but what, what was there was his desire, and, and we'll get to that a little bit later on, but his desire to, that he, he you know, it, it kind of, it gets at, it gets at this whole idea that I think is so important, which is that, um, that uh, our vision of the human person is, is that what is at the heart of who we are as humans is our heart, right. not our mind. Right. right. And that ultimately, um, someone could have a, a non-developed mind, but a very sophisticated heart. Right. Um, and, and at the end of the day, I mean, he did develop his mind too. I and mean, we hear about how later on he, he got interested in all these different But, but I, also heard, I also heard that they, you know, I, who was I listening to who said that he, when he talked to him, he could poke a little, well, not fun, but like kind of tease him a little bit. But if when he spoke to another, like, more educated mm -hmm. elder, it was a little bit kind of a different relationship. Interesting. So with him, he could kind of, you know, poke him a little bit, you know. Interesting. Kind of, because of his simplicity, you know, it was a bit, it was like, I don't know. I, I can't remember. I heard it years ago. Yeah. But it was more easy to, to be kind of, I don't know, to not treat him the same way you would treat, like, an academic, not even academic, but a more more well-educated person. He would just, they would, you know, you could, you could kind of play with that side of him. Sure. Sure. Yeah. 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 And I, I mean, I think that the whole idea of his simplicity, I mean, if we even dive into that a little bit, there's something about simplicity that means that the different aspects of who you are are sort of all lined up and integrated. And so there's not this sense that, you know, 
you think this way and act another way, or you, you kind of, you have this abstracted sense of yourself where you're always kind right. of observing yourself right. and, and how you look before other people. And it's kind of just like, yeah. yeah, this is, this is how I am. Right. And, and of course, I mean, St. Porfirius was a human. I'm sure he had his, his faults and other areas, whatever that he had to overcome by the grace of God. What's that? He points them out even. And, he even uh, points them out. Right. His book, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but that, that, authenticity, that guilelessness, that simplicity, you know, is something that's really, really powerful. Mm. That's really powerful. All right. So, let's, let's hear some more. Let's do it. I developed a deep desire to become a hermit. One day, two elderly men came into the shop. They sat down and asked for two sardines and half an oka of wine. And then there's a little footnote that says, Oka is a Turkish measure of weight and capacity. One Oka equals about two-thirds of a quart. I fetched their order at once. Then I heard one of them say to the other, you should see the wine I drank on the Holy Mountain. I haven't found wine like that anywhere. So you've been to the Holy Mountain, have you? Asked the other. Yes, he replied. I left my home in Mytilini once. Kaloni was my village, and I went off to the Holy Mountain. We used to drink monoxylitico wine there. What a wine that was. And here again, the footnote says, wine produced in the monoxylitis monastery, a dependency of the monastery of the Inicio on Mount Athos. Did you go to become a monk, queried the other man? Yes, I wanted to become a monk, but I wasn't able to. I wasn't up to it. How I regret now that I didn't stay there. I listened to all this with great attention because sometime earlier, a group of monks had passed by handing out booklets. One was about the life of St. John the Hut Dweller, which, as I told you, I had stam stammered through syllable by syllable while I was looking after the sheep in the village. I had reread it up in the attic by the light of a lantern with considerable difficulty because I hadn't learned to read properly. The life of the saint filled me with such enthusiasm that I wanted to imitate it. But about the holy mountain, I knew nothing. I went to become a monk, but I left, continued the old man. How marvelous it was there. I saw monks, hermits, holy men, striving to love God and battling away in the wilderness with fasts, deprivations, and prayers. But I left it all behind and returned to the world and snarled myself in a thousand cares and troubles. I remember it all constantly, and I regret I didn't stay there. Instead of landing myself back here in the world with all the troubles and trials of family and children, all these cares of life have brought me to my knees. Yes, I remember it all. Soon the two men got up and left, but my mind remained captivated by what I heard. From that moment, I was filled with zeal to go to the place he'd been speaking about. My mind became fixated on the idea that I could realize my dream of imitating St. John the hut dweller. It became my all-consuming desire. Two days later, the elderly men came in again. The elderly man came in again. He lived close by. I went up to him and out of earshot of the others, I asked him, tell me, Kiradonis, what are things like up there on the holy mountain? Is it a good place? You heard about it the last time. I can't tell you anything at the moment. And he didn't tell me anything. He left. But I, in the meantime, could not think of, I could think of nothing else. I developed a deep desire to become a hermit. But how? I didn't know how to go to the holy mountain. I had no money, nor did I know what to say to my boss. Kiradonis came back once more to the shop. 
Once again, I secretly queried him about the holy mountain. This time he told me everything. But how was I going to leave? And what was I going to say? There it is. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. What do you find amazing about it? Just he just knew. <laughs> right. Some people they just know. They hear about it and they're like, "Look, I'm going there." It's amazing, huh? I have to go. And what he's like, "Well, how old is he? Nine? Yeah, younger. He was yeah, something like that. Yep. He uh, that's just. It reminds me. I have a I have a friend from my studies in Thessaloniki. His name's Michelle, and he's actually from the Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, okay. and he, he is one of the, you could say, uh, people in the Congo that were influenced by the, uh, missionary efforts of, um, of, uh, Father Cosmas, who is a monk from Gregorio, who became a missionary to, at that time, Zaire, now the, the country of Congo and, uh, and many people after, he became a missionary, started to go to Thessaloniki to study theology and other things. And uh, my friend Michelle actually um, came to study um, psychology. He was originally a nurse back in the Congo, um, but uh, was doing a, a degree in psychology. And uh, well, actually, the story I was going to tell, I'll say in a moment, but my one of my first encounters with Michelle was in the School of Modern Greek when we were both learning Greek. And we were uh, in the same class and uh, we were walking down the street after class. And I told him, I said, he asked me what I was going to study. And I said, I'm going to study theology. And he said, theology. He said, what's that? I said, I tried to explain. He was like, you could study God. Yeah. <laughs> he was so baffled by how that could be. Right. But I think that's a very good example of what we're talking about as far as these different kinds of approaches. You know, I mean, he comes from, Africa and this kind of approach of kind of a much more like pre-rational approach to the world. Yeah, definitely. There's uh, he studied, studied you could study God? God. He was just like he thought well, that was try. so funny. <laughs> we try, we try. Yeah. Um, but the story that I was going to share was uh, um, uh, oh, right, yes, it was how he met his wife his now wife, uh, they've been married for seven years now and they've got four kids and um, they live in Thessal outside of Thessaloniki. But he was on the bus, on the public bus and uh, he saw a girl and he went up and said, you know, he thought in his mind, he said, oh, that's a pretty girl, I wanna talk to her. And so he goes up in this crowded bus and mind you, you know, Greece is, is a relatively homogenous society and on one level at least in the modern context and uh, so you know he's a, an african guy going up to a greek girl it's like okay that's that's interesting I mean, yeah yeah so so he goes up to her and uh he just starts talking to her and if you know michelle he's got a very kind of infectious personality i mean he's just a you know he's a very positive optimistic yeah. guy and uh so he's just you, know, you can imagine he's just you know you know, talking it up with this girl. And, uh, and then at the end of the conversation, he has to get off. And uh, he said, he said, he says, he says, all right, I'm going to give you my number. He doesn't even ask her for her number. He says, I'm going to give you my number. 
And if I don't hear from you within two weeks, I'll know that you're not interested. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and so I remember sitting with him at, in the student cafeteria while it was during, uh, during those two weeks. And uh, hold on one second. Somebody's coming. Let me just pause this. Let me see who this is. Hold on one sec. Oh, we're back. We're back. Sorry. Uh, got interrupted there. But anyway, so uh, Michelle's on the bus, right? Mm -hmm. So he's telling me all this at the student cafeteria. And here I am, you know, uh, an Orthodox uh, guy from America. Yeah. Grew up in the house of converts where it's like, you know, dating, you know, you got to be very prudent in the way that you approach the opposite, you know, sex and, uh, and, you know, you want to make sure that you're, you know, doing it in a very godly and holy way and everything. And, and here, here, I'm listening to this, this guy from Africa, who's also <laughs> Orthodox, and he's just telling me that he just wa randomly walks up to this girl and asks, you know, gives her his number and like, you know, sweet talks her and, you know, just like, what is going on here? Right. And there's like, and then like, just waits to hear from her. Well, turns out she calls him back and, uh, and uh, they end up dating and turns out, you know, she comes from a very faithful family. She's got, I think like seven siblings, a couple of them are, are monastics and, um, and uh, her grandfather is a monk on Mount Athos. Uh, after, really? yeah, after, after, uh, I think her grandmother passed away, if, if I remember correctly. I don't remember the exact details, but you know, very, very faithful. Um, but you know, again, it, it wasn't based on him knowing anything about her. It was just like he saw this girl. He goes up and he talks to her. You know, so simple, so just kind of like, and it's just like I had nothing to say. Like I was just like, you know, in, in my mind, I'm thinking like this is so wrong. Like you shouldn't have just gone, you know, like that's not how you're going to get your future wife, but it was, you know, it was, and they're happily married and, you know, they've got a beautiful, beautiful family and, you know, do, doing great. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, that kind of simplicity is, is a beautiful thing. I think in the West people overthink things quite a bit. No question. And, and uh, you know, sometimes you just need to go and say hello. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're your future spouse. Yeah. And just kind of, mm. you know, being, uh, living from the heart. I mean, I think that's, that's what really right. struck, struck me about my time in Greece in general was, um, you know, I mean, it has its problems like anywhere, but, uh, but just witnessing people living from the heart mm. by and large. I mean, I think they're, they're much more heart centered. Yeah. And you were in a good area for Saloniki. Yeah. I remember the first time I visited, uh, 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 we went to this monastery in Veria, and the first thing mm -hmm. was the nuns from Cyprus, they were, mm. uh, they were from where we were. And, uh, and uh, the first thing she, one of the nuns started saying to us is that they're very, the people here are a little different, they're close to Mount Athos, so <laughs> there's a sort of, uh, they're, they're closer to the church, but they're also more, like, you know, what you said, from the heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good area. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very, it made a, a very strong impression. And, uh, mm. you know, even, even just like say Porfirius's comments about like, he didn't have a ticket. He didn't know how he was going to get there. Well, I mean, he was you a know. child. Yeah. He was a child, you know, but it, it also, it almost reminds me of the uh, Murbearing women 
you know, mm. when they when they go to uh, anoint Jesus's body, yeah, yeah. you know, they don't know how they're going to roll away the stone. It's like they're already halfway there, and then the thought occurs to them: Wait, how are oh. we going to roll yeah, away the stone? That kind of mentality, like I, I I saw it a lot as a as a kid. I remember the older women of our of Ayanapa. I remember just I look back on them and I I, re, I think of the Mirafores. You know, I think mm-hmm. of these these. You know, we've talked about it before, like old school piety, that kind of, you know, there's a simplicity and, uh, you know, they, so they, um, they would talk about how, you know, every year they would, if there was a drought, a year when there was a drought, you know, they would go to the, you know, they would do a, a, a you know, paraclesis and, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and, uh, you know, a procession yeah. for, for rain to prophet Elijah. Mm-hmm. They would always go with their umbrellas mm-hmm. before they, you know, it's a drought. Sure, sure, <laughs> that's they funny. With their umbrellas, they they were like, you know, you don't happen. know, good rain. And 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 it's true. Actually, uh, I was reading something the other day where uh, so Marathovnos, my my father's village, is dedicated to Prophet Elias, Prophet yeah. Elijah. Yeah. So, and 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 it's true. Uh, one year, that's exactly what happened. They had a drought. They went and it downpoured. It's amazing. So there's amazing. a reason why people were, besides the fact that they were just very simple because they didn't have the access to, like, you know, they didn't, you know, they didn't have access to higher education. Although, and in my dad's village, actually, a lot of people were educated. But um, in general, people, it was kind of like cause and effect. <laughs> okay, we did the procession. It rained. Okay, next time, umbrellas. You know, it, we did it. It worked. Excellent. Well, and there's a there's a lack of um, there's a uh, because of the guilelessness of just right. that kind of like right cause and effect. There's also it 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 to an extent it eliminates the factor of of e- ego that that we're so plagued with. Oftentimes, I mean, you know, I mean, I think when when if I were to say if I were to do that, I mean, I would automatically just go down this rabbit hole of like, oh, well, I'm, I guess I'm some, some sort of holy person or something like that. But th- that would just never like enter into their mind. You right. know what I mean? Like that, just that, that, that idea, it was just, it's oh, just such a foreign. They would say, well, we asked Prophet Elijah, we asked Prophet Elijah and he, and he did it. Yeah. That's, Very that's simple as point. that. <laughs> the whole idea of like, so, but you know, and, th- and this is the, this is the tension that we live in. I think this is the dynamic of living in a modern world with its complexities, with its benefits and with its drawbacks, um, but also being um, recipients of a pre-modern faith. Well, and I think that, and I think that it has a lot to do with the precepts of what modern and, you know, modern, the modern world is built on, right? The enlightenment, uh, rational thinking, sure. uh, you know, and 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 even in the United States, I mean, you know, the founders, majority of them were deists. I know right. that's that's a big, uh, you know, for some people there, especially evangelicals. But it's it's oh, just yeah. true. It is true that yeah. they were deists. Absolutely, and they lived in a Christian culture, so they didn't throw that out. Right. But they also didn't promote it. So, right, what you're what we're seeing now is kind of like. What we're beginning to see now is the legacy of they never set a Christian foundation for the United States or, or in, in any of these countries. Sure. And so, therefore, it has it is slowly, if not quickly, you know, moving further and further away from that. So we all 
we're, we're kind of breathing in the air. It's in the air. You know, we yeah. kind of escape it. No, you can't escape it. You can't escape well, it. Um, it is, uh, you know, but the simplicity, I mean, I, I think one thing that St. Porfirios does help with in my mind is the way, like, even for a complex modern person, he does like there is a connecting point between his simplicity and his pastoral advice in the sense of like, and we can get into this maybe in a later episode of like his, his easy path, the quote unquote easy path, the way that, the way that he provides for like this kind of like blood, what he calls like the bloodless path towards Christ of, of turning towards Christ in a simple way with love, turning towards the light, you know, opening our arms towards Christ, like a little child you know, I mean, these kinds of things that he talks about, at least for me, have been very significant ways of um, at least momentarily sim- uh, turning myself towards Christ in a very kind of simple way. I think, I think it is simple, though. I mean, okay, to become, to become uh, a desert ascetic, not, maybe not as simple. To become a theologian, not as simple. But to, you know, look into yourself, mm-hmm. look at what's wrong with it, admit that, mm-hmm. and turn to God right. in, in confession and in the sacraments. Sure. I mean, that, it's not that complicated. I mean, you just kind of have to accept certain things about yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe more com- complex for one person and easier for another. But yeah, I, no, it is. It is. It's, in, it's inherently simple. Right, it's inherently simple. It's inherently simple, and and he he kind of reveals that for us, you could say, right, um, and and gives us an opportunity to kind of turn back to that, right, that that simplicity for sure, for sure. You know, yeah. and it's something I've and and uh, you know I love I've mentioned him many times, but uh, Metropolitan Athanasius of Lima Salt. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I love listening to his radio show, and yeah. uh, you know I heard the same thing the other day. You know. Uh, somebody, you know, was you know, he's like, it's all very simple. It's easy. <laughs> just, just do the thing and the thing, and you know. Um, but all jokes aside, he's he's completely right. Inherently, it is very basic. Mm-hmm. It's just working on yourself, but working on yourself not in like a you know secular self help self whatever. You right. Know. Uh, yeah. But but rather kind of giving up I feel like all day long all I do is strain I strain right. yep. I'm straining all day long to to I don't know all the things to all try things. yeah to try right. to try to do what we're supposed to do and what you need to do, really do is just throw up your hands and say forgive me I am you know I am broken I need yeah. you sure you know, you know, I'm said not very uh, eloquently, but sure, but but sort of surrender yourself. Sure, you know, surrender yourself. Don't put more burdens on yourself than you need, because I think we all struggle from that. Yes, yes. We all expect more from ourselves. Yes, amen. And I think that Father Porfirio is kind of he cuts through that. Yeah, yeah. You know? You're absolutely right. He cuts through that. He cuts through that 
you know, for him, it was effortless. He just effortlessly spoke. I mean, listen to the first sentence of that book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is that not a man who's just telling you mm-hmm. the truth? Right. But in, a, but in a, such a pure and uh, childlike, that was another thing people described him as, as being kind of childlike. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. But I, I think, I think, I guess the main thing I, I kind of, and I've been really learning this kind of, that this whole thing is not, it's not that complicated. We shouldn't put more and more burdens on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If we can't achieve something, well that, but in and of itself, that is an achievement. Yeah. To recognize that you cannot achieve it and ask for God's help in, 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 in continuing on. And I think that that's where we're all uh, getting caught up in, our, in the modern way of looking at things. Right. We don't understand that part of the spiritual struggle is actually just <laughs> not giving up, but kind of giving up. Yeah. Giving up, but not, not throwing it on the ground, but handing right. it over to God. Right? Yep. 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 So. Resting. Resting in God. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's. That's so uh, fundamental, uh, and it's something I personally have been kind of realizing. And, you know, as I've, you know, I've, I've entered the thirties, and you know, life has become a bit more more uh, serious, more responsibilities. Right. But I, um, I guess we should probably end. <laughs> <laughs> We we this is the, this is the episode that never ends. We're just going to keep talking and t- um, <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. It's uh, you know, it's yeah. um, I mean, the the thing that I the way that I approach Saint Porfirios in many respects is rather than trying to quote unquote apply things from his life or teachings to my life, I kind of in reading him allow myself to kind of get like infected by his spirit, you know, and I I think that's, that's what has proven at least as I see it to be the most kind of authentic and effective way of, of taking what, what he has is just like, man, like this is, you know, just, just kind of like enjoying and soaking in the, you know, the, um, kind of beauty of that approach and, and allowing it to just kind of yeah, if, if melt away has, all the other stuff and you know yeah, yeah. if anybody hasn't read it yeah we, go and read it. yeah this is really just an extended yeah. commercial for uh we will uh, i think we should continue it next time sounds great uh do you want to go into uh well we can talk about this out after the yeah we're not going to tell you what we're going to talk about we're off, off. we're not going to do that off the air. It's going to be a secret uh, conversation between me and Strutty. So, well, good to be back again. Um, and uh, through St. Porfirios's intercessions, we hope that this is of some use and benefit to you, our wonderful listeners. And if not, we had a good conversation. <laughs> exactly. And we, had, we hope we were at least somewhat entertaining. Yes. <laughs> As long as we were comprehensible at some point. Yeah, yeah, maybe possibly partially 
at some point (laughs) hopefully (laughs) tentatively (laughs) so all right until next time until next time all right